must be Friday, and it must be seven o'clock because it's time for the Bresbet Racing Show here on Three Valleys Radio. show tonight we've got all the latest news from the racing media we've got the fixtures for this weekend simon holt joins us and tells us how he got involved in racing joe tizard talks about native river and his retirement on our memories section we've got the 2018 gold cup with of course native river richard johnson on his ride on native river jamie snowden's had a pretty good week, so he's on board. Dave Wilson from Harlequin Racing brings us his tips for the weekend. Colin Brown's tips also for the weekend. And our old friend, Gary Wiltshire from Bresbet. So a pretty full show. That's all tonight on The Racing Show, here on... Three Valleys Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another racing show here on Three Valleys Radio and sponsored by Bresbet. So, as usual, let's get down to it straight away with all the racing media news with Mike Patton. Hello, and a very warm welcome along to this week's racing news with all the news from the racing media, including Racing TV, The Racing Post, and The Sporting Life. And here's our first story of the week. The BHA has announced that it will, quote, temporarily defer its requirement for anyone entering the weighing room in Britain to show a negative lateral flow test, LFT, due to the nationwide difficulty in obtaining the rapid result tests. The requirement had been due to come into force at all racecourses in Britain on Wednesday. But concerns had been raised over the ability to source the tests with the Omicron coronavirus variant, causing a spike in infections across the United Kingdom. In an announcement to participants, the BHA said on Saturday, recognising the difficulty some participants and officials have had in ordering lateral flow tests, the racing industry COVID-19 group has temporarily deferred the requirement announced earlier this week to show a negative lateral flow test to gain entry to the weighing room. This pause is to allow participants to secure a supply of tests and we encourage you to continue your efforts to do so. A new implementation date will be announced once lateral flow test supply issues improve. If you have been able to obtain tests, we recommend you start testing on a regular basis. While vaccination with a booster remains a key defence against severe illness and death, you may still contract and pass on the virus, hence the value in combining vaccination with regular testing. 
The requirement for a negative LFT to enter the weighing room was announced earlier this week, with Dr Jerry Hill, the BHA's chief medical advisor, stating it was an important step to help safeguard our people and the racing product against staff shortages and potential fixture postponements or cancellations which have impacted sports such as football in recent weeks. A raft of measures had already been put in place to minimise the chances of spreading the virus, including the use of COVID certificates and the requests to wear masks and socially distance. COVID-19 continues to be a major problem in the UK, the BHA statement added. By maintaining some simple protections, we can minimise the risk to ourselves and others of infection and avoid disruption to the race programme. Race courses in England have faced limited disruption during the latest wave of coronavirus infections, while crowds have been capped at 500 in Scotland and temporarily shut out of venues in Wales. In Ireland, officials said on Friday that there were no plans to implement a similar testing regime to the one proposed by the BHA, with an IHRB spokesman stating, At this stage, we're not seeing enough evidence that we need to do that. A total of 189,846 people had tested positive for COVID-19 in the UK on last Friday, according to the latest government data. The rate of infection has led to the British Medical Association and Royal College of Nursing to call for health staff to be prioritised for receiving tests to ease the staffing issues. While Health Secretary Sajid Javid said ministers expect to need to, quote, constrain supply of tests for two weeks to manage surging demand. Next up, here on the Racing News. All six Racing League fixtures will be broadcast on terrestrial television for the first time this year, after ITV Racing agreed to show the team competition on ITV4. The polarising event in which teams of horses, trainers and jockeys compete for points in a league format, had its inaugural run last year, with Arena Racing Company signing a deal to licence it for the next five years following its conclusion. Having drawn criticism during its first year, including claims of exclusivity and confusion over the team format and team sponsors, the Racing League has been tweaked for this year, with teams being based by region and increased efforts to open up participation. Niall Sloan, ITV Director of Sports, said, We look forward to working with the team and the participating racecourses across the summer to help widen the appeal of the competition in its second year. The Racing League, which offers £2 million in prize money and bonuses to competitors, was broadcast to an average audience of 62,000 on Sky Sports Racing last year, with a move to include ITV, as had been planned when the competition was first announced in 2018, viewed as crucial by racing and betting figures to progress the event. Jeremy Ray, chief executive of the Racing League, said, we are delighted to confirm this broadcast agreement with ITV Racing to bring the Racing League live to terrestrial television, which we see as an excellent next step for the competition. The first of the six Thursday evening fixtures will take place at Doncaster on August the 4th, a later start than in 2021, with Newcastle, Windsor, Lingfield and, for the first time, Southwell participating. Southwell Executive Director Mark Clayton said, we're delighted that ITV4 will be here in September for the Racing League. It undermines how Southwell is really on an upward curve and shows that all the investment is worthwhile. And next up, here on the Racing News. 
A record 23 Irish trained horses won at the 2021 Cheltenham Festival, and the markets for this year's meeting point to another four days of dominance in March. All 28 races are priced up by at least one leading bookmaker, and 21 have a runner trained in Ireland at the top of the market. Four market leaders are British-trained and one French. The remaining two races have British and Irish joint favourites. Results over the festive period have hardened the grip of Irish-trained contenders on the top Cheltenham Festival races. Of the 14 Grade 1 contests, only two favourites, Shiz Kin in the Champions Chase and John Bond in the Supreme Novices Hurdle, are trained in Britain, and both of those by Nicky Henderson. Skybet go just 5-2 to two that Irish trainers have 20 or more winners at the festival, which starts on March 15th, when the feature is the Unibet champion hurdle for which the Henry de Bromhead-trained Honeysuckle is their 8-11 favourite. The strength of the Irish challenge in the two-mile hurdling division has led to Skybet also going 5-2 to two that Ireland have the first three home in the opening day highlight in which the second favourite is last year's Supreme Novices Hurdle winner Appreciate It at 7-1 to one, and joint third best Sharjah at 10-1, to one, both of those trained by Willie Mullins. Other likely Irish bankers, according to the anti-post markets, include Fernie Hollow at a best price 2-1 to one for the Arkle, Galopin de Champ 7-4 for the Festival Novices Chase, American Mike 3-1 to one at the Champion Bumper, Alaho 9-4 the Ryanair Chase, Classical Dream 11-4 Stayers Hurdle and Field Door 3-1 Triumph Hurdle. The top five at the top of the Cheltenham Gold Cup markets are all Irish trained, headed by A-plus Tard, who was inched out in the Savills chase by the new second favourite Galvin, a big hope for Gordon Elliott. Paddy Power are offering 6-1 to one that Irish runners will bag the four championship races across the four-day. So that's the uh, Champion Hurdle, Champion Chase, the Stayers Gold and the Gold Cup. Honeysuckle put the kettle on, flooring porter and Minello Indo did the job last year. William Hill, meanwhile, go five to six that there will be under eight and a half winners at the festival. Odds are the same for the over. The firm have also priced up all the handicaps at the meeting. Shan Blue, six to one Ultima, is one of the two favourites trained by Dan Skelton, who has Greatwood Hurdle winner West Cork, shortest in the betting for the county hurdle, also tucked up at his Warwickshire yard. And here's our next story here on the Racing News. Trainer Dan Skelton is to be charged by the BHA with two breaches of the Trainer's Code of Conduct in relation to his dealings with a syndicate of owners over the sale of a horse three and a half years after a complaint was first made to the regulator. The intended charges relate to the £130,000 private purchase of the Skelton-trained George Gently in October 2016 by a group of owners headed by Tony Holt, an existing owner within the yard who was involved in the ownership of 2016 County Hurdle winner Superb Story. The 36-year-old trainer said on Sunday that the BHA, quote, had not sent any formal charges relating to George Gently while Skelton is also the subject of a further complaint by Holt and his co-owners over their private purchase of Go for the Crack to be trained by him in June 2017. After finishing second for Skelton on his debut in France, George Gently was purchased by the syndicate from David Futter, the co-owner of the horse and owner of Yorton Farm Stud, following discussions with the trainer and a bloodstock agent.
Shortly after the sale, the syndicate were informed George Gently had sustained a tendon injury, which kept him off the track for 516 days. He was subsequently sold for £1,800 after showing little form in two races. Holt alleges Futter subsequently disclosed to him that Skelton had owned a third of George Gently, unbeknownst to the syndicate, and received a third of the sale price. The claim was later rejected by Futter and Skelton, who indicated that an arrangement was in place where the trainer would receive a third of the sale of any horse owned by Futter in lieu of training fees, which were not charged on the horse he had at the yard. The BHA initially dismissed the complaint in October of 2019 following an investigation into the sale that began in July 2018, but reopened the case and concluded last month that the arrangement between Futter and Skelton appears to lack transparency. And finally on today's racing news. More than a million people tuned in to watch Tornado Flyers shock King George victory on Boxing Day in a notably strong festive period for ITV Racing. Cheltenham's New Year's Day fixture was another high point for the programme, having enjoyed a peak audience of 997,000. It comes as ITV celebrates five years of racing coverage and lead presenter Ed Chamberlain is delighted with what has been achieved in that period. A BAFTA win in 2018 for the previous year's Grand National coverage remains a highlight, but ITV Racing will continue to further develop in 2022, with broadcasts confirmed for the Winter Million and Racing League for the first time, while the Sunday series is also set to return. Chamberlain is a key part of the continuing development, having taken inspiration from a somewhat unexpected source. Chamberlain said, After we came off air at Cheltenham that New Year's Day, I think the people I worked with in football would have all their money on me lasting just a few months, not five years. It's a challenge I love. Gary Neville had a huge influence on me. He always said you can never stand still in both sport and television. It's that Sir Alex Ferguson mentality. Hence, when we're doing well on Monday Night Football, we brought in Jamie Callagher. I've very much got that mindset with ITV Racing. That's why I'm thrilled we've got the Sunday series getting bigger, Winter Million coming up and the Racing League too. We're always looking to be innovative. The peak of 1.1 million was recorded for the King George with an average of 829,000 and an audience share of 8.8%. The average and the peak are down from the lockdown figures of 2020, but it is an increase from the 781,000 and 561,000 recorded for the previous year. Figures were also up for the broadcast on December the 27th, which featured the Coral Welsh Grand National and the return of Shiskin at Kempton. A peak was recorded of 758,000, up over 100,000 from 2019, while share grew to 5.5 from 4.5%. The trend continued for New Year's Day with the peak up almost 50,000 and an increased share to 8.5%. Chamberlain said, It's a great result for everybody. It shows what it can do when you've got good stories in Rachel Blackmore and Bryony Frost and with a decent-sized field. In 2019, we had less than 800,000, but this season we've had a good lineup and we promoted it well to get 1.1 million, which is a great number. I'm thrilled with it. 
The golden hour in which Froden and Praisley part both won at the 2019 Cheltenham Festival was one of the key moments in the last five years of ITV Racing, which also included broadcasting big meetings throughout lockdown and Rachel Blackmore's history-making grand national success. Chamberlain reflected... The most satisfactory thing is is how people have stayed with the show and grown over the years. We're showing racing on an entertainment channel and hopefully it's entertaining. We try our best. It's a real challenge and we get a lot of criticism. Everything does, especially on social media. It's very easy to pander to criticism on social media and it always worries me that people in racing, which are particularly the younger folk, put too much influence on it. When you're a presenter, you've got to block that out and look at the bigger picture. It's important to see the broad church that you are broadcasting to. We are racing's window to the world. That's why we're so keen to work with racing as partners. The sport has its problems, but there are so many positives there. It's a really exciting year ahead. It's the Platinum Jubilee, and it's such an opportunity for the Derby to get back a bit of gravitas and stature it formerly had. That's it for this week's Racing News, which includes all the news from the racing media, including Racing TV, The Racing Post and The Sporting Life. I'm Mike Padden, and thanks for listening. Join us again next time. Well, now it's time to have a look at the fixtures for tomorrow and Sunday. So here we go. We're going to start off at Lingfield, where there are eight races on the flat, with an 11.30 start on the old poly track. Uh, seven races over the jumps at Sandown with a 12.05 start. Seven races over the jumps at Wincanton down in Somerset on the 12.20 start. Seven races over the jumps at Newcastle with 12.13 start. And seven races on the flat at Kempton on the all-weather, which is at 10 past four start. And then Sunday... Right, well, there are seven races on the flat at Southern on the all-weather with a 12.40 start. Six races over the jumps at Air with a one o'clock start, and is also racing at Fairy House with a two twenty start. So plenty of variety there, north and south, flat or jumps. It takes your choice. Amongst all the interviews I've carried out uh, on the racing show, one of the most interesting was with our friend Simon Holt. Uh, Simon is one of the leading race callers in the country. He's also a very accomplished journalist with the Sporting Life. And he was trying to tell me exactly how he got involved in horse racing in general. And this is what he had to tell me. What was on your mind at that point of time? I mean, did you have any ideas as to what you were going to do? Well, it's extraordinary, AD, really, because I was obsessed with horse racing from quite a young age. And there was no real reason for it. Um, neither of my parents were into racing. They were keen on sport, but um, I don't know really where it came from. And I used to sit and watch the television, the televised racing from a very young age. And uh, all through school, uh, I did okay at A-levels, not so good at A-levels. And one of the reasons I didn't do so well at A-levels was that I was going into a local publishing company at weekends. And by sheer chance, uh, it was a company called Furlong Press. And by sheer chance, they produced a weekly form book which is called Superform All right. and basically at the end of my sixth form and I did very badly at the A-levels just lost interest completely yeah. and uh, they they had a job waiting for me and uh, it was a fantastic grounding there I learned um, how to write about horses how to handicap horses how to in interpret times 
and it was just the dream job really for a, for an 18 year old it was uh, one of several sort of right place right time moments yeah. in the early part of my career so i do look back on my career with um, a feeling that I've been very fortunate and obviously I've had to take the opportunities but um, that was a real stroke of luck my hometown Shoreham by Sea and there was a publisher of horse racing material in the town yeah absolutely what luck yeah too. I wish something like that had happened to me <laughs> <laughs> well so, yeah, I mean it's extraordinary good yeah. fortune I think so all right then well how does the handicap system work without uh, giving us too long a piece on it well, at Superform, they ran their own um, private handicap ratings, uh, but they were pretty much aligned with the official handicap system. And I suppose the best way to explain it uh, is that on the flat, the ratings go up to the notional top weight of 10 stones. So you've got a, a highest flat rating of about 140 and then uh, over jumps up to around 170, 175, the sort of mark that Corto Star was rated, up to the notional top weight over jumps of 12 stone 7. And trying to explain handicapping in, in one minute is not easy, <laughs> but basically, obviously, the, the handicappers look at the result. They see how far horse A has beaten horse B, how much weight it has conceded or received, and then um, rate them according to that. And on the flat... A length over five furlongs is worth three pounds. Over jumps, two mile hurdles, mostly a pound a length. So it varies over different distances. And you've also got to take into account on the flat and sometimes over jumps allowances like weight for age allowances and female allowances, uh, filly allowances on the flat, mare's allowances over jumps. So it's a complicated business, handicapping, but once you grasp it, and I think it's one of racing's problems really, is in, in, in its endeavor to become more popular, is that if, if wannabe racing fans can't get beyond the first base, i.e. knowing which race separates another race, why one race is different from another, I should mm, say. Yeah. And then you can go on, and if you learn about handicapping and learn about form study, then it becomes seriously interesting, mm. in my view. And that's really uh, been, because I had that grounding when I was 18, um, it has sustained me through my life, not, um, not really just because I've made a career out of it, but also because I've been genuinely fascinated by the sport for all these years yeah quite well just one final question on that particular issue so uh, when they when they're doing the hand when they're working out the handicap is it just on the winner and the second or do they go right down through the field no, well, they'll apply what they call performance ratings to each horse, uh, depending on how it's performed in that race, and then assess it with regard to its current rating. So, for example, a horse that um, wins maybe by three lengths, an impressive winner, say, mm. um, over a mile on the flat, um, beating the second horse three lengths, and maybe, if they were clear of the third, then the handicapper might put not just the winner up, but the second up as well. The winner, yeah. winning by three lengths over a mile, could probably expect to go up seven or eight pounds, and maybe the second might go up by a pound or two. But uh, that's, And then horses that are out of form, they will slowly, or they should, come down in the ratings to give them more of a chance. The handicapper's job, the ideal is 
that the horses cross the line together. Obviously, yeah. in practice, that's almost impossible. But when you, when you sometimes see a bunch finish in a handicap, you might hear a commentator say, oh, well, that was a great result for the handicapper. That's what they're trying to achieve, hmm. to make it as fair as possible. If we didn't have handicaps, the best horse would always win. And yeah. that horse would always be long odds on favourite. Yeah. So you need to have faith. You need to have handicaps to um, service the betting industry and make it interesting for people to have a bet. Well, there you go, listeners. Now you know, don't you? Dead easy, really, isn't it? Absolutely. I picked <laughs> it up straight away. <laughs> now then, it's competition time here on Three Valleys Radio, and in association with our friends from Bresbet, we've got a great competition. Last year, Bresbet sponsored two major greyhound races at two major stadiums in the country. We want you to tell us where the stadiums were, i.e. if they were in Manchester or if they were in Plymouth, you just say Manchester or Plymouth or wherever you think they were. And I'm sure that most of you will have a quick look on Google and you might well find them. And what about the prize? A free £50 bet? A day out for two at Utoxeter Racecourse in the summer where you will have a use of the Bresbet uh, hospitality box with all the food and all the drink that you can drink and just generally a great day's racing courtesy of our good friends at Bresbet. So what are you waiting for? Just get your answer on an email and send it in to us here at Three Valleys Radio to info at three valleys radio all one word spelt t-h-r-e-e valleys radio all one word uh, dot com and uh, by the end of the month we will be closing the competition and we'll pick a winner and somebody's going to get a day out of their dreams up at utoxeter racecourse with everything that goes with it all courtesy of our sponsors bresbet so get on the case straight away and uh, hopefully We'll find you a winner at the end of January. And talking of Bresbet, check out their website at www.bresbet.com and see all the special offers that they've got going for you this week on their special offers page. It's well worth it because you'll get some great offers on there for the football, for racing and whatever else is going on this particular weekend. So, there it is, Bresbet and Three Valleys Radio offering you a great day out. Last week the news came out from Melbourne Port that one of the best staying chasers and former Gold Cup winner, Native River, was going to retire. And we're very pleased to hear that uh, Joe Tizard has come on the show to, to review Native River's career and of course his famous Gold Cup win at Cheltenham in 2018. Native River, suddenly he's not on the scene anymore. You must be very sad about that. It's um yeah sad sad not a bit sad not to see him but like not to have him as a resource any longer but it's not um it's something that we knew was coming this season and um you know he's um he's not an old horse but he doesn't need to be racing any longer you know he's been such a such a good such a good horse for the yard and um taking us to so many big days he deserves a, a happy retirement absolutely and is he going to stay with you or will he go back to his owners no he's um he's still with us at the moment but he's going to go back to um tom malone who bought him for us he's a bloodstock agent he um he bought him and he lives about 
he lives a couple of miles down the road from Garth and I who own him and he's gonna he's gonna go back to his place and he's gonna ride him and lead out a lot of young horses and and um and just look after him back there and then Garth and I can visit him whenever whenever they want to. You know, I think they're gonna um I think they're gonna get more chances to see him see him now he's on their doorstep than what they did before. Yeah, absolutely. And so he's not gonna have a sort of honourable retirement, a sort of partial retirement, I suppose you'd call it really. Yeah, well, he's only 12, you know, as, as far as horses go, I mean, that's, that's old enough for a racehorse, but he's got plenty of life left in him, so so he's, he'll go and have his, the second half of his life, and he'll, um, he'll give he'll give a lot a lot of people a lot of pleasure, you know, give Tom a lot of pleasure, and um, he'll, he'll still be able to, to help, like, sort of do stuff and, and make himself useful. Looking back, though, Joe, I mean, obviously the Gold Cup was the epitome of his career, but um, he, he won a, quite a few other good races. Can you give us a, a brief uh, rundown of what he else? What else he won? Um, well, he won. He won. He won a couple of a couple of novice hurdles, and then uh, then he wasn't quite as good a herder as he was a chaser. And then when when he went chasing, um, he won. I think he won first. I think he won a tip so first, and then he went to Newbury and won. And then, then he sort of really, he really got his act together. Was it Aintree? Um, he won a novice chase up at Aintree. That was his first Grade One, mm. um, the first time that Richard Johnson had ridden him. And um, and then he sort of flourished from there. Then he went on the following year. He, we ran him once over hurdles, and then he won the the um, the Hennessy at Newbury. Um, he also won the Welsh National that year. Um, as, in his third run, he went to Tottenham, got beaten that year. Actually, he ran in a national hunt chase, and he finished second in that. Um, and then the following year, following year was all about. Oh, yes, he dried himself up a little bit. So then the following year, he, he didn't he didn't race again until the the February, where he won the Denman, and then he won the Gold Cup. Um, you know, he actually went to Cheltenham, and well, I think until actually until his last his last run when he was. When he was pulled up. I don't think he'd been out of the first four over fences in the whole of his career. Well, that's a pretty good uh, a testimonial for him, isn't it, really? And presumably he won a fair bit of prize money as well during that period. Yeah, he won the best part £1.2 million pounds in prize money. Did he? You know, obviously a lot of that came from, from the Gold Cup, but he won, he won one, two, three, three, three German chases, a Hennessy, a Welsh National and the Gold Cup. Um, you know, so he was... He's a he's a, a a super horse, you know, straightforward to train. Um, not the fastest on our gallops by any stretch of imagination, you know. He wasn't a quick horse. He just a he could just he had a good cruising space and he just maintained it yeah. forever, basically. Um, and that sort of showed showed more in the later latter parts parts of his um, career when he needed, you know, he needed his conditions a bit. You know, he needed he needed a bit of a bit of soft ground to be able to sort of gallop the rest into the ground. Yeah. But, um, but a, a, a one-off horse, and um, you know, an absolute gent in the stables. Anybody could ride him at home, mm. and um, you know, that's basically what we're doing at the moment. He's with us, and he's he's just giving everybody a chance to say goodbye to him, and have a little sit on him, and have a yeah. have a play with him, and then yeah. then he'll go down to Tom's in a couple of weeks' time, and and be happily retired there. Well, I must admit, on the occasions that I've been over to the stables and been waiting around to see your dad or whatever, and I'd wander into the stable, and there he was, oh, ever so friendly, you know, no no sense of any sort of irritation that somebody was petting him. He was he was fine. And uh, and when you look at the race, and I, I you know I've sat back and watched the race a couple of times now, and you know to win from the front like that, and he never got he never got headed during the whole race was was some performance, wasn't it? 
Yeah, well, and Mike Boat took him on at an early stage as well, and um, you know the two of them just literally went at it, went at each other, and they just um, it was constant, and it, and it looked forever for, for until until ten yards after the last, it looked forever that Mike Boat was going to go go away and beat him, but he, um, you know, that's what. However, however much ability the the horses have got, they've got to be mentally tough as tough, and that's what that's what he was. You know, he was just, yeah. he was an absolute. He tried his heart out every time. Well, it would be amiss of me not to mention that you're in the papers today. Um, lost in translation. Um, definitely going for the Gold Cup then, by, the, by what they say in the papers. Is that likely to happen, do you think? Yeah, it's, yeah that's, that's the plan at the moment. Um, all being well, you know, he's, he's been third in the Gold Cup already. Jumped the last in front virtually that day. And, um, you know, if we can get him back to near enough that. It's a wide open Gold Cup this year, so he's had an entry. Um, he probably just had one run before, and, and off we go. Well, good. Thank you very much for talking to us, Joe. Um, give Native River a couple of polos on my behalf, if you will, and uh, I'll pay you back when I see you. Top man. Well, that was Joe Tizard looking back on Native River's career. And I'll tell you what, every time I went over to the stables at Melbourne Port to see Colin or Joe, what a wonderful welcome I always used to get from Native River. He was so kind, so gentle, always wanted to sort of talk to you, to make friends with you. Wonderful horse. So now let's cast our minds back to March 2018 at Cheltenham, the Gold Cup. About to make their turn in then. 22 fences they'll have to jump here. It's a little over two circuits. And they begin to move forward. Flag is up. Starters ready for them. They're off. They race away then with 22 fences to jump. And the Native River definitely red. Might bite and our Duke are the leading quartet. Safia de Rur and American on the extreme left to close up. Jackadam in the pink colours behind those. Kilalta Vic Blue and Mike Stripes against the running rail as they jump over fence number one, where T for two in the orange was the back marker. Ed Wolf is with him towards the rear of the field. They come to number two, another plain fence, Native River and Mike Bite, the favourites, touchdown together. Mike Bite nearest to us, Native River, the noseband just ahead of him now. Two circuits to go, and at the back of the field, uh, Bashasun has unseated Danny Mullins. So Bashasun is out of the race at fence number two. They make their way on towards the third with Native River leading to Mike Bite, our Duke American. The green jacket and blue sleeves is widest on the course, and then definitely red, a red sleeve jacket against the running rail is close up as they move on to number three. Annabelle flies Safia de Rurkelelta Vic behind those and they are then followed through by road to respect towards the inside as they jump over number two Kilaltovic blue and white striped jacket lost a few places not many lengths on the leaders but he's only got a few behind him now as they come to the water jump for the uh, first time it is fence number four Native River and Mike Bite, the leading pair over it, to our Duke, white and green colours, is just about through into third place. American is behind those. Five is the first of the open ditches coming over it now. Safia de Rue, definitely red jacket. Am Annabelle fly behind the leaders. And then Outlander in the white cap, who's wide of road to respect in the same colours. Total recall in red and white is in company with those as they take another plain fence. Then T for two and Kilalta Vicar towards the back of the field 
and Ed Wolf is just last of all. He opened it to the top of the hill now. Number seven coming up, seven to 22. Native River, good leap over it, landed in front. He touched down by around about a length to Mike Biden's second. There'd be three, four lengths behind those to Jackadam, who's just head of our Duke, and they're together in fourth and fifth positions. In behind those, definitely Red and American, who settled further back in sixth position now from Safia de Rur as they jump over that. They are then followed uh, by definitely Red from Annabelle Fly and then Road to Respect moving up on the inside of Annabelle Fly. Behind those is Outlander and then comes Total Recall as they jump the plane fence at the top of the hill. Kiltella Vic towards the inside of T for two. Edwolf continues to be the back marker with Derek O'Connor as they make their way down the hill now on towards number 10. Richard Johnson, Native River, Nicola Boyneville, Mike Bite, the leading pair in the Tomiko Gold Cup, and they're on by five or six lengths. Pink Jacket of Jackadam takes that just about in third position as they get over it okay. Definitely Red with Red Sleeves is next. And then Our Duke in the white and green jacket, American in green and blue, is next to him. Road to Respect, Sean Flanagan against the running well. Maroon and White is creeping closer. Annabelle Fly, distinguishing blue cab, is behind him as they've now completed a circuit. Then Safia de Rur, red sleeve jacket nearest to the grandstand. They're followed by Kilalta Vic in the blue and white stripes. And Total Recall in red and white moving ahead of him. T for two in orange is next as they take the first in the straight. And Ed Wolf is two lengths behind him the back marker as they race on now to number 12 and it's still native river out in front comes to this jumps it safely by about a length to Mike Bide in second place. There's two or three lengths behind those to Jackadam. Two lengths to Definitely Red. Our Duke and American together from Road to Respect and then Outlander, Annabelle Fly and Safia de Rur together. Total recall on the running rail, red and white. Orange of T for two behind him. Blue and white stripes of Kilaltovic is next. Ed Wolf is still the back marker. There have been very few changes in the order as they make their way on towards the far side once again and down to number 13. Team, with still Richard Johnson on Native River, pursued by Nicola Boyneville on Mike Bite. These are the leading pair as they jump it. Jacket down a slight error from him in third position as they head to the water. Definitely Red American and our Duke and Safia de Rora next, and then Road to Respect who hugs the rails and is getting closer. At the water, number 14. Over it now, Annabelle flies behind the leaders, and then Outlander, Safia de Rur, and Total Recall. T for two behind those. The third of four open ditches, Native River, continues to jump boldly in front. Up and over it safely to Mike Bide, who's been on his tail, a length behind him for a good way now. Jacket down behind those, and they're followed through uh, by American and our Duke, and then comes Annabelle Fly with still road to respect in the maroon and white going okay against the running rail. Behind him is definitely Reddy's back pedaling. This is the last one of the open ditches now. Number 17, Native River, a great leap in front, but a good leap as well from Mike Bide, who's still on his tail, a length and a half behind, and now in the Tomiko Gold Cup, they have five to jump. Jackadam is behind the leaders, and then Road to Respect, American Outlander, and behind those is Annabelle Fly, and then Total Recall as they jump over this. Safi Aurora and Ed Wolf behind this, and it looks like our Vic is going to be 
pulled up as they now race towards the fourth last fence. And it's still Native River with the noseband. The orange and black on the sleeves might bite. These two together at four out. Road to Respect and Jackadam in third and fourth places. The others are feeling the heat now. Annabelle Fly with a blue cap has moved into fifth. Total Recall is running on. Ed Wolf behind those. Safia de Rose being pulled up as they come to three from the finish. Still, Native River with the noseband, but still, Mike Bide is there behind him. He's only a half length behind. Total Recall fell at the third last. Jackadam made an error. Annabelle Fly and Road to Respect are staying on. This is the home turn in the Gold Cup. Mike Bide on the outside of a driven along Native River. Five or six lengths at least behind those to Road to Respect. Then Annabelle Fly and Jackadam behind those. Two fences to jump. Nico still holding on to Mike Bide. Native River with a nose band on the right. The pair are still together. Second last, they touch down when they head towards the final fence. Mike Bite nearest to us. Under pressure, the far side is the brave Native River. The 22nd and final fence. Native River just in front of Mike Bite. Up the hill they come. Native River by a length and a half to Mike Bite in second place. Native River is fending off the challenge of Mike Bite. They run towards the line. The brave, the generous Native River in front. He's still holding on. He's made every yard. What a run. Native River and Richard Johnson have won the Tomiko Gold Cup. Mike Bite in second, Annabelle Fly in third. Road to Respect was next. This year, Jack and Anne was home in fifth, and definitely Red T for two. Behind those was Ed Wolf and then American. First, number 11, Native River. Second, number nine. Third, number two, the fourth place horse. Number 14, the full result of the fourth and feature race of the afternoon, the Timoko Cheltenham Gold Cup steeplechase. First, number 11, Native River. Second, number nine, Mike Bite. Third, number two, Annabelle Fly, the fourth place horse. Number 14, Road to Respect. Well, that brought some memories back. Commentary from the 2018 Cheltenham Gold Cup, which, of course, Native River came in first. Written by Richard Johnson. Now here's Joe Tizard with a tribute to one of their favourite horses at the yard at Melbourne. Well, now I'm absolutely delighted to welcome to the show the jockey of Native River, in the Gold Cup in 2018, it's none other than Richard Johnson. What are, what are your best memories of the ride? Um, look, it was just one of those days that uh, everything, you know, everything went right, really. Uh, the horse was in fantastic form and um, came there in, in great order. But just, yeah, you know, everything from sort of, you know, him counting to start to the start we got, and, you know, and everything in the race all all just fell into place as, as I hoped, where usually there's always a hiccup or a something doesn't quite go to plan but um, it's just one of those races that for, for, for me yeah couldn't have gone any better and, and obviously was probably one of the highlights of my career w- Were there any points in the race when you didn't think you could win? Um, I think look, you never know you can, you know, you're never sure of winning but I just again I got a good start and he just jumped in a lovely rhythm all, throughout the whole race and you know one of his strongest qualities I suppose is his jumping you know he, he's, he's so, so foot sure and um you know, he loves his jumping and it's what you know really lights him up and, and uh, yeah to me he just got in that really good rhythm and you know it was almost yeah he was able to sort of dictate you know the terms of the race and and, and how, how everything went so again for me it was you know I was very lucky to be on top of him um, just putting him in the right direction mm. and, and I mean do you think that the fact that Mike bite was so close for the for the entire race that that sort of you know stoked him up a bit more yeah I think it sort of it was quite nice to, 
to have something just just behind him, just sort of pushing him along. And, and you know, I was able to sort of increase the tempo down the back straight the second time, and obviously a lot, you know, put a lot of horses under pressure. Um, but at the same time, you know, he, he was still saving a little bit for that for that last that last bit. And I think you know, a lot of people watching, you know, and even you know, I didn't know turning in quite what the result was going to be. I knew he was going to obviously run very well, but you never know what another horse is going to find or not find. Mm. Um, and it was, you know, we, yeah, I think a lot of people, you know, visually looked like Mike, Mike Bike had an awful lot more left. And, and you know, every time he, he challenged me, you know, Nature River just kept finding a bit more. And, you know, that's, that was, you know, a real mark of his determination and his, and his ability to, to, to do that. And, um, yeah, I mean, again, it was, you know, I think, you know, I was very lucky to win a Gold Cup when I was very young and, and I probably didn't appreciate it. And I think, you know, this on this day, you know, it had been 18 years since I won the Gold Cup the, the first time. And so I think for me, it, it really, you know, I knew how hard it was to, to get a horse to ride in the race, let alone win it. So, um, yeah, for me, you know, I, I knew how special day it was. And, and yeah, it, it was definitely one of the highlights of my career. Were you sad to hear of his retirement, or do you, do you you sort of respect the fact that he came to the point where he he obviously deserved it? Yeah, I think it was one of those. You know, we, we know that jockeys and horses, and, and you know, any, any any person in sport can't can't go on forever. And I think the nice thing was that he had a really good run at entry this year. His, his first run ran really well, hmm. um, and came to the Welsh National, which is always going to be a huge huge ask on the top weight. But he just didn't fire, and you know, the owners. Um, Garth and Anne Broom and, 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 and the Tizards, they, they together, you know, he, he's absolutely fine, but they just felt that it's the right time for him to, you know, have his retirement and, you know, he's going out in one piece and he's going out, you know, nearly at the top of the game. So, I mean, that's, that, that's a huge achievement in itself. On a more personal note, I mean, how, how are you finding retirement? Yeah, it's, um, it's a, a different way of life, but, um, no, you know, again, you know, very similar to Nature River, really. I, I'd had a, an amazing time you know, I feel very lucky to have the career I did, and and for me, last last April, it was time, right time for me to, to to stop. And you know, I've got a lot more time with my family, which is you know one of the things I was looking forward to. And and you know, I'm still going racing a bit, and still breeding horses at home. So hopefully, we'll you know that's sort of the next stage in my my life is to try and breed breed plenty of winners. And hopefully, if I can ever breed one as good as Nature's River, that would be the dream. But um, you know, that that's 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 what I'm sort of getting at get my teeth hopefully into over the next few years and um, you know still enjoy racing well that's interesting to hear Richard and we wish you all the best with that and uh, hopefully you will have another Native River or maybe something on the flat who knows but in the meantime thank you ever so much for joining us on the show really appreciate it and uh, no doubt we'll be speaking again soon well that was Richard Johnson remembering his ride on Native River in the Cheltenham Gold Cup in 2018. But now it's time to go up to Lambourne and catch up. Right, well good afternoon Jamie. Um, I see you've got a git maker then. Yeah, that was lovely. He, uh, yeah, now, now, now I think he's called jeep maker, but uh, yeah, that was um, a nice performance there this afternoon. Yeah, absolutely, and you've had a couple of seconds and thirds in the last week as well. So, um, you know, from one of the original old gits, I think that's ex- excellent uh, form for you. You're, you're, you're very kind. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's good. It's nice to nice to see them sort of continuing in, in good form and our first one of the, the the new calendar year. So that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what's all this has happened on Saturday? And the um, I've lost a bit of paper with your story on now, which I'm going to have to find, but. 
Um, basically, you, you made the papers today, I see. So, um, what, all, it's all about, uh, which one was it now? Here we go. That's all right, Gino. Yeah, that's right. Can you, can you hear me, Eddie? It's a bit crashing. Can you yeah. hear me okay? Yeah, no, I can hear you okay. Yeah, no problem. Um, so, Gino, um, that's right, Gino runs in the, uh, the, the Grade 1 Tolworth Hurdle at Sandown on, on Saturday. Um, he's he's, won, he's won, won his two starts over hurdles this season, um, one of which was at Cheltenham. And uh, so he's, he's improving, going the right way, and, and now he's stepping up in grades. So uh, he's got to keep improving. But, um, yeah, it's nice, nice to have runners in, in these big races. Absolutely, yeah. And, um, I mean, this Constitution Hill is quite a, a hot pot. If you can beat him, that will really put you in the frame for... Uh, you know, looking at Cheltenham, wasn't it? Yeah, so Constitution Hill finished second on on it on his first start in a point to points, and and um, obviously went to went to Seven Barrows and Nicky ran him at, at Sandown, um, and uh, he looked very impressive that day. I don't think he'd shown a huge amount at home by all accounts, but um, he was pretty impressive at Sandown that that day. But uh, I, I, I listen. We've we, we've run, we've run twice, won twice. He's run once, won once. So. Yeah. Um, Although he he was visually really impressive, um, we're all in the same boat, really. <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose you are, as you say. It's, it's um, but it's it's nice to be in that sort of a boat, isn't it? It is, it is, and um, yeah, there's there's a couple of other decent horses in in the race as well. So, um, but our chap is improving. He's going the right way, and as I say, he's done very little wrong this season. And and what else have you got running over the weekend? Have you got any more um, decent shots going out? Um, we're going to run um, anything for love in in the uh, a listed race at Sandown on Saturday as well. Um, there's only there's only six runners in that, um, and she's 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 won. She's got a pretty good strike rate. I think she's what is she? Seven winners, uh, six winners from ten starts. I think she is. Mm-hmm. Um, she won very nicely at Postmaster last day on pretty deep ground. She loves she loves nasty ground. The, the deeper the, the the better. The harder work it is, the better. So. Um, if they get plenty of plenty of rain around Sandown over the weekend, she uh, she can go there and she's got it all to do at the weights. But um, if she can, she, she won a Grade Two over course and distance last year, and if she can replicate that kind of form, then she goes there with a with a bit of an each way chance. So you could be double bubble then on Saturday. Well, that would be very nice, Eddie. Yeah, it would wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely. And uh, I see that uh, that they mentioned here in this article about Kielty Briggs as well finishing and encouraging third behind Brave Man's Game and uh, Ahoy Senor uh, in uh, Corto Star Novices Chase at Campton. And you must be pleased. You know, everything seems to be going your way at the moment. Uh, you, you can never say it quite as easily as that in this game. You, oh, know, just... what, you know what sports like. It's, uh, yeah. There's, yeah. But you've got to enjoy the good times. And, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Bill Tilly Briggs, he's um, he's always looked at my course. He won very nicely um, at, at Haydock the last day and, and uh, ran, I thought, really quite a nice race in the Grade 1 at Kempton on Boxing Day. Yeah. Obviously, the, t- the two horses in front of him are, 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 are pretty useful individuals and and uh, Kill Tilly Briggs hopefully have a, a squeak back and a handicap. And Gavin riding them? Gavin will ride, um, that's right, Gino, and Paige will ride anything for love. Right. Uh, okay, lovely. Well, all I can say is best of luck for the weekend. I should be watching avidly to see uh, see what's what. I might have a little tipple on them as well. I think just to uh, be you know live dangerously. I hope it doesn't sort of give you the kiss of death though by doing that. Well, 
Uh, listen, it's, uh, they, they, they don't know what prices they are and they certainly don't know if you've got a fibre on them maybe. <laughs> this is true this is true mate yeah thank you okay then Jamie well thanks for joining us um, but yeah best of luck for Saturday and um, we'll speak next week right well that was Jamie Snowden up at Landbourne with a, a big weekend coming up for his horses now it's time to catch up with Dave Wilson <laughs> well good evening Dave how are you yeah, very well, Adrian. It's uh, one of them uh, times of a year where the horses are a little bit quiet. They only have the odd one meeting on most days this week and next week to counteract the horses having their flu jabs. And uh, a lot of the trainers don't run them a couple of weeks after their flu jab until we get over it. So it's just a little bit of a quiet period for us at the moment. Mm, but there you go. Yeah. Uh, Give you more gonna, time to study um, the form then, dear boy. Yeah, it's just one of those things. We don't know who's had their flu jabs and when they've had them, so it's a little bit of a hit-and-miss situation for us at the moment. But yeah. We'll have a look through the wing count and card on Saturday and see what we can pick up. Okay. And uh, we'll go from there. So we'll have a look at the 11.45 to start with. And the horse we like in here is Future Investment, going to be ridden by Tom Bellamy and trained by Alan King. He's a six-year-old, formerly with Ralph Beckett on the flat, and he's a three-times winner on the flat. Uh, he had a handicap mark when he finished with Ralph Beckett of 97, which transfers to around about a 135, 137 handicap for the National Hump races. So, uh, obviously, he's got a very good starting point there with the experience he's had on the flat. And uh, Alan King, who's his new trainer now, is obviously uh, very adept at turning the flat runs into good jumpers. So, uh, he looks to have a... Good chance in that first race at Wincan, and he's priced up at around about five to two, we would imagine, in there. Yeah, okay. Moving down to the second race, we've got very, very little form to go on here, but we like the chances of Super Duper Sam. Brendan Powell takes a ride for Neil Mulholland. He's had one run, one win, and he beat one of uh, Fergal O'Brien horses in a National Hunt bumper in a photo finish. So obviously he must have a good chance there, the way that the Fergal O'Brien team are picking these uh, National Hunt bumpers off uh, the way they do at the moment. So it's it's a maiden hurdle, and same as the first race. And uh, as we always say, if, you, if you're going to start betting big maiden hurdles, you're, you're, on, you're on the way to the poorhouse in a rapid uh, yeah. mobile and going to get there very quickly. But Super Duper Sam's priced up around about 5-2 to two again. So uh, that's what we like in the first three races, but I won't be getting any serious money on either one of the two of them. It's just uh, an investment to have a look at and uh, what we like. Yeah. Okay. Moving down to the third race on the card, the 12.55, we're going with uh, Blue Stello here with James Bowen taking a ride for Nicky Henderson. Now, in his debut race for Nicky Henderson, he got beaten nose by Unanswered Prayers, who's also in this race. And he won the race in the stewards room. They reversed the placings. There was a bit of bumping going on. Now, Blue Stello was off the ride or a long way out, and he stayed on really, really well. And that was over two miles five. So it's a little bit strange to see the two of them reopposing each other over... Uh, sorry, the first race was over two miles three, and they're over two miles five in this one. And it, it's just strange. Unanswered prayers seem to collapse on the running. And he got picked off or was being absolutely run down by Blue Stello. And it just seems strange that they've stepped him up two furlongs, which is obviously going to suit Blue Stello even more. But also, in the race, is uh, a horse that we like as well, Fleming's Tide. Now, he's very well related to Masterminded, one of Paul Nichols' uh, super horses from a few years back. So, uh, 
it's going to be a good race between Blue Stello and uh, Fleming's Tide, I would imagine, over the extra trip. And I don't think Unanswered Prayers will be able to handle the extra distance of the race. So uh, that's what we like in that one. Blue Stello gets a vote just ahead of Fleming's Tide. OK, fine. Moving down to the 1.30, we like uh, Rectory Oak. Brendan Powell again, uh, this time riding for Colin Tizard, his normal boss. Uh, he's got very, very patchy form, this horse, and which we'll give this to as a bit of a caution. But he's got one run on his card where he run at Wing Canton, and it stands out. He, he got beaten 15 lengths in the race by Napper's Hill. Now, obviously, Napper's Hill was one of the top juvenile hurdlers around at the moment, but the thing that we've noted is the second, third, and fourth in that race where Rectory Oak finished fifth. All of them have come out on one since. Now, Rectory Oak was only three quarters of a length behind a horse called Nelson's Rock, and he was giving that horse seven pounds in that race. And Nelson's Rock's rated 106, whereas Rectory Oak's going to be running off at 95. But as you say, caution in this one is not a very consistent horse, and his form's not always good. But his run at Wincant and says he likes the track and he can go very well there. And his price up at around about 11 to 1, so it would be worth having an inch weight bet on him there. OK. Moving down the cars, when I turn the page over to the 205, the nap of the day for us, and one that we're going to be having a nice bet on there, is Grey Diamond. Uh, Jack Tudor takes the ride for Sam Thomas. Uh, he ran a move of gold to five lengths on his seasonal debut. And then he was a good fourth behind Il Ridotto of Paul Nichols's when that absolutely bolted up at Newbury. He's been dropped a pound for both both times he's run this season. He, he also gets an extra three pounds off his back with Jack Tudor taking the ride because he's a three-pound claimer still. So the horse is back down to a handicap mark of 128, which is what he last won off. So we think he's got a great chance in that race. And he's priced up, at, when I last looked, around about 7-1 with Paddy Powers. So I think that's a very big price. I don't think that'll last very long. OK, fine. Moving down to the 240, uh, we like earth business in this one. Brendan Powell takes a ride for Colin Tizard again. He's been running very, very well in races, and he's not been winning, but he's been running very well. And he's been stepped up from two miles three to three miles for his last run. And he didn't quite see the trip out having his first run over that three-mile distance. And uh, we think he's going to be a little bit sharper over the trip. And he's also dropped down a furlong as well. Now, this fella's priced up around about 8-1 to with Bet365. And uh, he's got some good form around Wincan and previously. So we think he's going to be a great each-way bet in that race there. So the 240, earth business. Right. Moving down to the 315, we like Stolen Silver, another Jack Tudor-Sam Thomas combination. He, this horse, when he was running over hurdles a couple of years ago, he, he beat Edward Stone, who's a fantastic horse, and he also ran Chantry House for a length and three quarters. Now he's over chasing, running over chase fences. He's had six runs. He's won one. He's been second twice and third twice, and he come fourth last time out when he actually got beat by Edward Stone. Now, he didn't actually get involved in that race, and he just didn't show, but he, he didn't get beat too far. But he's dropping down from a Class 1 Grade 1 race to a Class 2 here, which is like four levels of the handicap scale is coming down. And yeah. He's priced up at the moment 9-4 to four with Bet365, and I think he's a tremendous bet there. Uh -huh, right. So, stolen silver in a 3.15. Now, the 3.50 race, I don't think any of these can actually win it, which... If you look through the form of them, not one of them's got a line of form where it's actually won a race sitting <laughs> on the card. Uh, yeah. 
it's one of them. If you've got to have a bet in this sort of race, you might as well just put the runners up on the dartboard and throw a dart in them. It's just an absolute shocking race, and it's not even one worth giving a tip out in because, as I say, like all of the horses in there, you read for all their form, not one of them's even got a win on its card. It's just like... It's going to be the one that doesn't want to cross the line first, actually crosses the line first, I think, and uh, it's just so, one of them. But so it's best left alone, then? <clears throat> best left alone. Right. As they say, it's just like one of them. So okay. That's what we've got for the win count and card for you, mate, and okay. uh, hopefully we'll have a few winners on there. Yeah, lovely job. Thanks, Dave. That's well, that was Dave Wilson from Harlequin Racing, and now it's time to go on a safari. Get your skis out, because they've got thick snow in Sweden, where we catch up with Colin Brown, no less. Well, good morning, Colin. Up to your neck in snow, good I morning, gather. Amy. Yeah, we've got a fair bit of snow here in Sweden. I'm looking out the window now from my mother-in-law's kitchen, yeah. and it's very white. Yeah, it's about four inches of frozen. Snowing mm. hard, and, you know... Minus seven overnight it was, so yeah, but that's okay. Oh. We're all dressed for the weather here. That's all right, and, then. Um, it's good, yeah, yeah. everyone at all. quite like the cold weather. That's all right, as long as you do. So long as you do. <laughs> well, you don't. Well, no, I don't particularly. I do, I do feel the cold, <laughs> I have to say, so uh, yeah. Do you really? Yeah, but that's, that's the trouble with being an old fart, you see. You, all these things yeah. kick in, you know. But there we go. Yeah. So, so where are we yeah, going I'm racing right. then? Not in Sweden, that's for sure. Right? No, not in Sweden. We'll get that. Mind you, some really good trotting racing. So, if any of your listeners ever go to Sweden, there's good racing like, um, you know, Brawl Park, the new track, and then Jaeger's Road down the road. I spoke to a guy called Paul Fitzsimmons the other day, who lives um, who lives near Jaeger's Road, uh, Malmo, down the south of Sweden, and. Um, yeah, they, they have their horses at a little farm just outside uh, during the winter, and then they'll get them back in soon and start training them for the summer uh, flat. But there's plenty of trotting goes on here, and of course it's um, you know pool betting, good prize money, mm-hmm. and um, and they're all dressed for the weather. So there's a track near here called called um, Irby, and um, uh, Orby, I can't remember which one. And anyhow, it's a nice track. And uh, they're there trotting away, and lots of people in the little towns around, you know, the betting offices, they do something called a Harry Boy, which is a bit like a play spot, if you like, or or a win jackpot, you know. Mm. And um, they, they basically don't know too much about the form, I don't think, nor do I, but they go in there and just, just you know, pick the numbers and hope to win. Um, it, yeah, so it's pretty good fun, though. It strikes me as being a very dainty sort of uh, a sport, really. It would suit you. Well, it, well, trotting, I tell you what, I think it's pretty pretty rough and tough, and, and I think it's pretty skillful. Yeah. But if I was younger, I would have liked to have a go at it. Yeah, I would, yeah. Yeah, no. I would have liked but I'm too but, too I old mean, now. Being a dainty sort of person that you are, I think it would sort of suit you, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, quite. Thank you. Well, uh, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> we <laughs> we we are at Newcastle. We are at Newcastle, listen. So we're going to try and find your winner then. As as um, as we uh, as I look at the races, I can't really see anything that's going to win the first race. So the twelve forty eight is a handicap chase, and uh, we only got four runners here. Uh, Lucinda Russell's got a horse called Without Conviction, who's taken well the fences, opened her account at Hexham, which is a stiff track, as a little bit like Newcastle, not hilly, but 
quite stiff fences and, um, you know, it takes a bit of staying. They put up £10, but I think the forms and Franks have got plenty in hand and I think she'll win. The 12.48 without conviction at Newcastle. Um, oh, and Warren Great Trips is uh, making the long trip up there from Lambourne. He didn't have the best season last year, but he had a lot of young horses, which I think probably, you know, sometimes you've got the youngsters and you've got to give them another year and they get a bit weak, they get a few little problems and, you know, it just takes a little bit of um, keeping up together. Yeah. Um, but the horse I think could win this is a horse called Scoop the Pot. It's trained by Ben Haslam. His uh-huh. dad, Patrick Haslam, used to train. He was a real good trainer. I used to ride for him a bit. And if he said one would win, it normally would. And he runs a horse here called Scoop the Pot. It's about five to one. And I think that would take the beating in the 123 race. Righty ho. Ah, oh, here we go. Now, moving on to the limited handicap chase at 13.58 of 1.58. A horse called Adramil that I liked a lot last year. In fact, I quite fancied him for the um, for the big race at Cheltenham, the Valley Morris, and I think it was. And well, he was didn't we have him last week? I think we did put him up last week and he won, didn't he? Yeah, he won yeah. for us last week. Yeah, I thought he yeah. did. He, 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 won, he won at Haydock in the soft ground mm. and he'll win again today. So, um, Andrew is the horse that I fancy in the third, in the 158 at Newcastle. Oh, so, have. yeah, it's quite quite good racing. Up there. I love Newcastle. I love going to Newcastle. It's quite a long drive if you yeah. go to a night meeting. Uh, to, uh, but then again, it's not 700 miles, though, is it? Not seven, no, no. no. It's about 300, <laughs> 250. Not, yeah. too, not too bad, yeah. yeah. As long as that uh, drive was, i got to do next week. Um, on to the uh, next. I don't really fancy anything in that one. Um, let's have a quick look at the last six. Uh, novices hurdle. I always like novices hurdles because quite often in these races, especially if horses have got a bit of a racing, you know, there aren't too many runners in it that can win until they start to go into handicaps. Um, so what wins it? Well, it looks pretty competitive. Ralphie Boy 2. There's a horse called Ralphie Boy 2. Um, but I ain't got a lot of form, I don't think. No, I think it's always at the top. Um, little win. It's called Since Day 1. But it's one for your doubles and trebles. Not to back on its own because it's around about 11 to 8 on. It's not a big price, but it shaped one in the bumper at Newcastle, then hatched up in a Newcastle C&D um, next week. So, course and distance form is always good. Two miles, 46 yards of trip. And uh, I would say that is the one to win um, our next race, uh, or our last race, should I say, at Newcastle. So, I think now, should we go to Wincanton? What do you think? Yeah, it sounds like a good plan to me. Love Wincanton. Mm-hmm. Um Wing Canton, yeah, love Wing Canton. Eleven forty-five, the first race there, and you have to sort of respect, you know, trainers like uh, Nichols, there, Tizard, Henderson, um, Honeyball King. You know, they're all trainers that have plenty of winners uh, here. And this one's the Jack Barber Racing Dream Syndicate Maiden Hurdle. You got also Jack Barber or not? No, no. Okay, but you know him, don't you? I do indeed. Yeah, and his father. 
Um, he used, yeah, used to yeah, know his grandfather yeah. before he passed away. Yeah, bless him. They're a good old family, aren't they? Been, mm. been, been in the horse racing job for a lot of years. Um, yeah. Right. The horse I fancy is trained by Philip Hobson, ridden by O'Brien. It's a winning Irish pointer, runner-up both starts this year. Um, I think it'll take the beating in the first race, and it's called Great Ocean, number seven. Great Ocean. Okay. I think that's the one that I think will take a little bit of beating. Um, I'm just looking. The favourite is Alan King's or Spring the Donald takes a ride on it. A useful staying handicap on the flat race back. I think they paid about 70 grand for it in October. So one to look out for. But I think Great Ocean can win for the Philip Hobbs yard. Um, on to the 12.20. It's Division 2 of this maiden hurdle. And, uh, yeah, the local trainer's got a few runners. Robert Walford. Another, did you speak to Robert much on your programme? No, no, I haven't, I haven't spoken to Robert at all. Should do, really. He's the son-in-law of the great late Robert Arnon. Robert's yeah. a lovely man, Robert and, and Sally. Mm -hmm. We should get him on one day, maybe. Well, I'll organise it for you. Yeah. Shall I do that? Yeah, do that. By all means, do that, yeah. 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 And he, he rode a fair bit as well. Anyhow... Um, I'm not going to tip up anything in the second race. I'm going to move on to the third race, which is the John Romans Park Holmes Novices Hurdle. He's the man that has plenty of good horses, doesn't he, with, uh, with um, Tizard. Yeah. And he runs a horse here that won its sole start between the flags and didn't shake badly uh, after three years off at Exeter in November. It hasn't run for a long time, but um, I would have thought they'd be looking to try and win the race with this uh, this horse possibly it's called bold conduct i think the main danger probably is slemon's tide and uh, that's trained by nichols yeah slemon's tide and that's owned by paul barber and, uh, and peter voigt yeah who's got quite good form uh last year at one of the national flat race i think down at extra rano kept down and so i think they're the two horses in the race that are the uh the competitors for this race in the 12.55, number two, Fleming Stide, and number five is Bold Contact, Conduct, but he's a better price, so we'll go for the Tizard horse in John Roman's race. Righty, huh? Right, um, on to the next race, don't really fancy anything in that one, the 2.05, um, move on to it. The 205 is a handicap chase. Do you know, I think handicap chases, places like Wincanton and Sandan or wherever, really competitive races. I always think they're really, really hard to find the winners, don't you? Mm, well, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, you know, you generally get pretty high-quality horses at Wincanton, don't you, as a rule? Yeah, you do, actually. But I'll tell you what could win it, and he's going well at the moment. And that is Sam Thomas with Grey Diamond. He runs a horse. He's a useful chaser and run quite well this year. He's been off, you know, he, he, he was very good horse, like early doors. I think they thought he might be top class, but, you know, things go slightly wrong with him sometimes. But mm. Grey Diamond, number one in the 205. Right. Um, 240? Too, too competitive for me, the 240. I'm going to give that a miss. Um, and the 315 
315 is another handicap. I see Sam Thomas has got also called Stolen Silver. Made an excellent start from winning at market race and second at Cheltenham in a strong race. Um, I'd say he's got a pretty good chance of winning. But, um, you know, there was a horse, um, Slate House, we talked a fair bit about him last year, didn't we? Mm. From the stable of... Uh, Mr. Tizard. Stable of... Um, Mr. Tizard, and um, wouldn't be the biggest surprise if he went and won. So let's have a little go with Slate House. He's got, you know, he's got past really good form, so he could be the one. Right. I don't know whether Mary will be going to win Canton tomorrow. What do you think? Not too far from her. She could get on a bike and cycle down there, didn't she? <laughs> yeah, I can just imagine you <laughs> cycling there. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a bit dangerous, Mary, if you're listening, but um, we will... We will be getting you on the show soon, so um, should we listen in, Mary, just to see when we think we might get her on? I'm not sure. We'll have to talk about it in private, and then yeah. I'll approach her at ages. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. No problem. So, Mary, watch out. It won't be long. <laughs> I don't right. know how she puts up Let's with you, I tell you. I do mean that. I must give her a call. I must yeah. give her a call. She sent me a really nice message last week, and she's brilliant on the old text, and and uh, and whatever you call it, whatever they, not on Facebook, but um, I don't know, all these different um, social media things yeah. that we get onto nowadays. Yeah, Messenger and yeah, all those, yeah, absolutely. Well, great, I can yeah. tell you're right. at the, at the cutting edge of it all. You what? I said I can tell you're right at the cutting edge of all this social media stuff. Right, we're at Sandown now. Oh, we've, really we've gone, are we? Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, we've gone from Wincanton to Sandown. Are you ready? Um, and uh, I'm going to give the first to skip. That's the one at the 12.05. And have a look at the second race where um, it's a mare's hurdle, a listed hurdle, a really, really good race, actually. And um, gosh, there's some good horses in that. Before uh, you, before you start anything. waffling, um, yeah, Jamie Snowden, anything for love. He's he's quite bullish. Yeah. I mean, he's got that and a couple more. I think is it one or two more to um, today at Sandown. So um, yeah. he, he's very bullish about these these horses today. So uh, just to uh, keep you in the loop. Well, I was going to say let's go for anything for love because he's a course and distance scorer. She is can't be dismissed. Yep, let's go for. A, and I tell you what, she's ridden by Paige Fuller. Paige is a really good rider uh, and a lovely girl as well. Um, not supposed to call them girls anymore, are we? They're jockeys. Yeah. But a good jockey, Paige Fuller. Um, I, I did do a lot of coaching with her over the years. Not that, it's, that no, I'm not saying that's because, but uh, yeah, she listens. She loses her head. She keeps a very level head. Nothing upsets her much. She's a good little jockey. Anything mm -hmm. for love to win. White Hot Chili Philly won it last year from Harry Fry's yard. Um, owners don't live too far away. Probably, you know, w would run a massive race here today. Uh, on to the second race on the card. And, or the third, should I say, at 115. Mm -hmm. This is an interesting little race. And I thought that the Gary Moore horse could win Derebin. And I wouldn't say he was unlucky last time out, but he just got beaten here. Um, he, you know, he's a horse that loves the track and um, 
He's a course winner. Uh, I think he's a horse that could just go and win. Number eight, Derebin. There's eight runners. He could be an each way price. So that's in the 115 at Sandown. Right, moving on to the handicap chase. It's the race over ooh, mile and seven furlongs. It looks pretty competitive. There's a horse I, I know um, Richard Rowe thinks an awful lot of. Mm-hmm. But it was just third last time out. It won at Plumpton. It, then it ran disappointed shot. Then it was third at Ascot just before Christmas. Um, and it's called... It's called up uh, the straight. Up the straight, number six. I'm going to give that a chance in the um, in this race. I think he's a horse that uh, he thinks quite a bit of. Thinks he's um, pretty smart. So mm-hmm. up the straight in the one fifty. Mm-hmm. Right onto the Tollworth. I won. I won the Tollworth once or twice on Desert Orchid and something else. I think. I can't think what it is now. I know Jamie's got a runner in here, and it's that's called all that's right, all Gino. right, Gino. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, and I, and I have an each-way chance about 12 to 1, but there's only six runners. We've got a decent horse that Gary Moore's got called Shall We Have One More? And I know they think this is top class. And, and um, when it ran second in a hurdle race last time out at Ascot, I know I was talking to Jamie uh couple of days later and he said I should have ridden a four timer and he said I should have won on that he held on he tried to hold him up a bit and he's a very strong horse and um, and he couldn't hold him up and then he got beaten and ran out of diesel but some of a petrol I think he's a pretty good is that the uh, is that you or the parrot no that's the parrot on the phone oh oh right okay careful 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 um, you, right. won't, you won't hear but me quacking Watch Avis, let me give you a slap for that one. Yeah. Um, listen, this is a really good race, but nothing will beat Constitution Hill. Um, Henderson's think this is the best novice hurdler they've got in the yard. It's 11 to 4 on, but I think it will win. We've just mentioned that's right, Gino. We've mentioned, uh, shall we have one more? Only just that was the build up because. They're quite good prices, but nothing I don't think will beat the horse that I've just mentioned. Constitution Hill, they think he's an absolute aeroplane. Uh-huh. So he won't be beaten, right. in my opinion. I don't fancy anything in the next race, but the last race we might just find a winner. It's a handicap hurdle. What wins it? Crikey. It's not a bad race either. You've got Navajo Pass, who likes to uh, get out in front. He not quite often wins at places like Haydock Park. Um, and there's one down the bottom of, of, of Moores that um, hacked up at Plumpton last March. He's been disappointing since, but he's a horse that hasn't been settling too well. Um, and he's a horse that could just go in today. It's called Natural History. He was owned by a Majesty of the Queen. They bought him from the Queen, and I think he's pretty good. But he's just been a little bit keen in a few of his races. And um, today could be his day. Have a look at him in the last. He's probably not a bad price. Let's have a quick look what price he is. Uh, four listeners, he's about five to one, so he's in each way. Bet to nothing, he'll be back in each way, and he's in the first three. So natural history for me, each way in the final race. And that is your lot. So, um, that bird's going to have to go, you know, isn't it? It's going to have to go. <laughs> it certainly is. Yeah. You know, to probably... 
turn the parrot's neck, as they said yeah, I in think... the Monty Python script. Yes, exactly. I'm just making an adjustment to the phone now to shut him up. So uh, that's done that. Okay, so... Um... What's his name? What's his name, parrot? He hasn't got a name. Well, he has, I suppose. Bloody yeah. parrot. Ah, <laughs> uh, see. Uh, good stuff. All right, boy. Yeah. Anyhow, and um, we, we'll speak to you next week. And listeners, have a good week. Have a good mm -hmm. weekend. I so we get plenty of winners. And the weather there's been like, you haven't lost many race meetings, have you? Yeah, no, we haven't lost any race meetings. But as I say, there is a lot of snow forecast up north. So I don't know how that's going to affect Newcastle or not. But. Uh, and, and Scotland as well, of course. So um, I don't know, but it's, it's we're okay down south at the moment anyway. So that's that's looking all right. That's well, looking all right. As far up, they don't race as far up as Aberdeen. But a friend of mine I spoke to a couple of days ago lives in Aberdeen, and he said, whatever weather you're getting here in Sweden, he said this is just the same up here. Plenty of snow. He said it's beautiful. Oh well, there you go. See, there you go. No, well, since. You it was Colin Tizard's birthday on on uh, on on Friday. Did you say hello to him or not? Have you sent him a birthday uh, message? No, I've been talking to his son more than I have Colin of late because um, we did a thing about um, Native River, of course, who's uh, retired now, and uh, yeah. So we featured yeah, him on the horse. on the memory section, and we, we when he won the uh, the. Q card, the gold card. It was either the gold cup or, yeah, I think it was the gold cup. Um, so we, we had a chat with yeah. him. So, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. No, it wasn't. It was Richard. Yeah, no, it was the gold cup. Of course it was. What an idiot. Um, it was when Richard, yeah, Richard, Richard uh, Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. So that's, that's in yeah. this week's show. Gave a great ride. Yeah, it was. Start to finish, nobody got anywhere near him. Well, I say that. Nobody no, got in I'm front there. of him. Yeah. Exactly. You're right, though. Nothing not in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> that's the way. Cool. Well, well, thanks, okay. Colin. Uh, that's good stuff, mate. You get your skis on Thank now you. and then pop down to the local pub, I suppose, and, and find a Swedish chef. Yeah. See if he's going to put the bird in the bird in the bird. In the local pub. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'll do that. Yeah. Okay, Colin. Take Thank care. you, sir. Speak to you soon. Well, our thanks to Colin Brown there, up to his neck in snow over in Sweden, and basically Colin brings the show to an end. So I'd like to thank all our listeners, wish you all a happy new year, and make sure you get a few winners on Saturday at uh, Wincanton or Sandan or Newcastle, and hopefully have a good weekend generally. So until next week, join us again then, same station, same time, Three Valleys Radio, the racing show at 7 o'clock on a Friday night. Till then, goodbye for now.